May I have your attention, please? I have resigned. I know this comes as a shock, but I've decided that I no longer fit into the scheme of things around here. I go willingly with a gladful heart, for it has been my pleasure to serve you and my privilege to know you, lo, these many years. I shall miss you all. But weep no tears for Diane Chambers. She's tougher than you think. She's going to be okay. You bet she is. So, this is goodbye. For there's one thing I know. You will never, ever see me again. Farewell. Fly with Dave Joskow starts right now. Hi, everybody. The Nightfly, June edition, Thunder and Lightning edition, taping Sunday, June 2nd, coming out Tuesday, June 4th, as I tape, 10 p.m. on a Sunday night. It is Thunder and Lightning. You might hear it in the background. The power could even go out. And then we're going to lose all this comedy gold. Well, I hope that doesn't happen. But it doesn't happen very often on the Upper East Side, where we live the the privileged life, or some of us do, or used to, in the days before yore. (laughs) Well, I know I sound in a better mood, but, uh, well, I am today. That's why I'm able to do the podcast. But it hasn't been an easy week. It hasn't been an easy couple of weeks. We took a week off, as we oft to do on Memorial Day weekend and Labor Day weekend, as you know. And sometimes around the New Year, depending on how the days go, depending on uh, what days Christmas and New Year's come out. But right now we stick the morning. Meanwhile, I'm like, why did I take off? For what purpose? What, what was I doing? Nothing. I wasn't. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't do anything. I don't know. Probably could have done it. I chose not to. I, I, I felt I needed a break, but now I'm like, well, I, I, I needed another break. I mean, I'm, I'm doing the podcast, but I'm like, I don't even know what to say. I got nothing. Nothing has happened. 
nothing's been going on. I mean, like, it's like everything's been going on, but nothing's been going on. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I, I don't have a life anymore. I don't know. It's like, you know, I, just, I don't do anything except sleep. So, yes, even after the break, it's not like anything's resolved. And I've, obviously, I wanted to come back and bring you. I'm like, hey, everybody. But I'm still, I still have a little, what is it, PTSD? I'm still in some shock. Can't get over it. Doesn't leave that quickly. Did I want to come back? We'll take a break. Everything will be fine. Meanwhile, I know nobody really cares because, I mean, I'm, I know you care about me and the situation, but I also know that um, everybody enjoys the uh, the Misery podcast, as uh, Kevin Brennan calls it, Misery Loves Company. And uh, the Just Got Bad Times are podcast gold good times. And we do enjoy putting out the show. And I do have that. And you know what the thing is? I mean, it's like, what am I going to say? What am I, I don't even have I mean, when is the last time I've come unprepared? Never. Maybe. That's what other podcasts do. We mock them. Of course, we used to mock people who uh, got busted on Me Too, which we can't do anymore. Well, we can mock the bad ones. You know, now I'm, I'm you know, uh, they, my name comes up when they mention, uh, you know, Bill Cosby or Harvey Weinstein, uh, Charlie Rose, Dave Juskow. This is, uh, this is the kind of uh, company I keep now. And how about going all the way back to 1982? Here's Asia. Oh, my God. By the way, Asia. I don't know why I started with it. I was just playing it um, today, and I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it so much the past couple of weeks. I'm like, I want to see them. I want to go see them. So I was looking them up, and there's like two Asia bands. It's weird. Like, you can look it up. I just looked it up on Wikipedia. There's one called Asia featuring John Payne, and then there's the original Asia and there's two separate bands, and it's too confusing to go off. Like, I read it a week ago, and I don't remember, but I just know it's stupid. So I think one of the bands is allowed to play the songs we just heard, and then the other band keeps releasing really bad music and stuff that's not that awesome first album. And, of course, actually, my favorite song off the second album, Asia Alpha, which is really got awful but i remember when it came out because i was so into asia like many folk that first album i mean if you were in high school when that came out that was like the greatest album i ever heard i'm like this is the greatest thing i've ever it's so epic i love every minute of it every song was a gem i was in a i was in a play a serious play in high school called the night thoreau spent in jail which um, you can actually look up online, apparently bankrupted the entire theater department of where I went to school. Uh, Nobody came. Nobody saw it. What I really want is 10 people to come out of the worst rainstorm in history and say, we saw your play. What happened? I don't want a full house at the Winter Garden Theater. I want 90 people who just came out of the worst rainstorm in the city's history. These are people who are alive on the planet until they dry off. I wish I had a theater that was only open when it rained. I don't like it when people come up to me after my plays and say, I really dug your message, man. Or, I really dug your play, man. I cried. I like it when people come up to me the next day or a week later and they say, I saw your play. What happened? See, 
that's uh, that's all I was looking for when I did the night Thoreau spent, uh, spent in jail, which I played Henry David Thoreau, a breakthrough role uh, for Dave Juskow, where, you know, everybody in high school said, this kid's going places. He's an unbelievable actor. He's an unbelievable actor. I want a scholarship to college for uh, being a thespian uh, because uh, it was an unbelievable uh, production. It was an unbelievable role playing the, 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 the great Henry David Thoreau, Dave Juskow, in a serious play. Everybody needs to see, like, this kid's going places. This kid's going places. Little did they know, after all that, this kid's going places. You'll see, this kid's going places, that I would end up in gay porn. But that's what happens to a lot of those people. You always say, this kid's going places. He's going to be big. He's going to be big, I'll tell you. You always end up getting spit out, mind the term, in gay porn. And that's what happened to me and uh, lots of other dudes, uh, you know, who really looked like, uh, you know, we had it all. We had it all going into college. And, and then and then something went horribly wrong. Uh, I, you know, bad choices. Uh, you can pull the Travolta card. Uh, just um, bad caddying. All around bad caddying. Just wasn't working out. But when I was in that play, I, uh, you know, loved my drama teacher very much. Like I said, he, um, you know, used to take us into the city to see plays and stuff when you could do that as a teacher and it wasn't weird. Now, when you think about it, I'm like, what was that all about? Taking two 16-year-old kids in to see a Torch Song trilogy. Wait a minute. But um, when that album, Asia, came out, I'm like, can we, use, can we use anything off this album? He goes, for the night Thoreau spent in jail. Where are we going to place that with Henry David Thoreau and Ralph Waldo Emerson seeing their big friendships? Where, where does the Asia song go? But I got to say that uh, we were able to throw this one in, which was kind of cool. Like, you know, when when he was going, to, when he was getting there, there was, there was some controversy. I don't remember what the hell happened, but, it was, you know, there was some action and fireworks and like that he was going, you know, he was going, he was trying to save a black guy and he was sticking up for him. And then there was nonsense and then he got thrown in jail. And we were able to use this wildest dreams from Asia. Oh, all the way back to 1982. Yeah. Wow, what a powerful scene. People are like, oh my God, this is the greatest play I've ever seen. Oh, Thoreau is the greatest play anyone's ever seen. Yes. I am Henry David Thoreau, and I am friends with Ralph Waldo Emerson, and I'm saying it out loud. I love poetry and chicks and helping people. Woo! It's a new take of the great poet. Let's go back to Walden Pond. Yes! Walden Pond! Woo! could explain a lot of why things didn't go my way see if you're gonna put that into uh you know when you're like walden pond rules yes yes <laughs> let me tell you something i know rich duffy was there rich duffy bought the entire track team to see can you imagine this is what i used to do to people why do you think i hate my sister so much 
I used to make Rich Duffy and the track team. He would bring the track team to come. Come on, guys. So see, it's not Grease. It's not Bye Bye Birdie. Well, what is it? Is it Bye Bye Birdie? No. Is it uh, uh, even a chorus line? <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's nothing with fun songs. But, you know, I think they appreciated it, uh, maybe. <laughs> I'll tell you that, Rich Duffy's been a good friend. You're a good friend, Rich. Living the high life in California, Northern California up there, huh? Doing all right for yourself. Yeah, Rich Duffy came, and Lawrence Lerman's parents came. And that was about it. Actually, there's another listener, Bob Grossman, who's coming to uh, see me open for Sarah, and I think he listens to the podcast. His grandfather came, and then he kept calling stuff out while I was, you know, in a serious monologue. You think you think I've forgotten about that, Bob? If you start doing that at Sarah's at the show at Sarah's show, I swear to God, it devastated me for years. I was like, "Is anybody out there?" And this, his grandfather goes, "What do you want?" And everybody laughed. And I'm like, "This is this is a serious play about about the civil war and civil rights and and poetry and." And sticking up for your rights. And, and, and who's the, who the hell is this grandfather guy? Oh, I remember. If you're listening, Bob. Oh, I remember. Oh. And it's not over. I haven't forgotten. So you can tell you and your whole family, I remember. <laughs> well, yeah, we put Wildest Dreams into the night Thoreau spent in jail. It was awesome. Now, that's theater. I was doing Beetlejuice before there was Beetlejuice. I was giving the people what they wanted in even the worst of plays back in 1982. As a 17-year-old boy, I was letting people have it. I'm like, listen, you're going to like what I tell you to like. <laughs> now, how's that worked out for you? Not well. Oh, but it was classic. And then I think we came out to that song. Too. No, no, I think we came out to... We might have we might have done the curtain call to uh Yes! Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, how are you? <laughs> and then you find yourself in a deep Thank you. And then of course, please welcome everybody from the play. And now Thoreau himself, Dave Joska. Where's the team? Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, everybody, for coming. I hope you enjoyed the play. We enjoyed performing it for you. There's one more performance tomorrow. Please tell your friends. In 82! The disco I'm doing it more of the Jack Wilde way from Oliver. Can't sit yourself at home. Can't sit yourself. Put on our furniture. We ain't going to... Oh, wait a minute. Um, as long as we're playing it, I mean, let's go for it all. Help, Papa, stop. Something's wrong with Jimmy. Jimmy, what happened to you? Why are you walking that way? I'm a mechanical boy. Like a mechanical toy. I never get cold. I never have lips. I never have lips. I never get cold. Too high for me. Oh, boy. I'm a 
mama can it go boy like a mechanical toy I'm doing it like Michael Caine I never can cry I never live so I never can die That's because I'm a Cause I'm a Cause I'm a Cause I'm a Cause I'm a mechanical boy I am walking on air And that Jack Wyatt was something else I think he's dead Man, he had that cockney. He could have been the Michael Caine of our time. Boy, did he blow it. He had it all. He could sing. He could dance. He could make those moves. And he was in HR Puffin stuff. Well, I got to tell you, that's a lifetime of entertainment, which I've been trying to bring to people for the longest time. I'm telling you, if you're using the band Asia in a play about poets, then you are ahead of your time. It was my idea. It was not the director's idea. He was just cool enough to say, you know what? I think the kid's got something. Let's go for it. Let's bring in Rich Duffy and the track crowd and let's show them and we'll have a lighting and we'll have special effects and fireworks and then, and, and, and then, yeah, then, then that's a show. They, you know, they might just like something like that. They might. We have people on the press. They might like something like that. Oh, the crowd was screaming. I tell you, screams all around for the seven or eight people that were there. Bankrupted the whole department. We went way over budget on that one. I insisted on rockets. Red glare. The whole bit. Oh, I insisted. Either that or I walk. You get somebody else to memorize all these lines. Let me tell you something. I had an English teacher who uh, liked me a lot, but I was, you know, a horrible student, as we've spoken about before. And uh, she gave me a good grade in class because she said, uh, you know, you really had to memorize all those lines, and it was really impressive. So here's a B. Well, thank you very much. Well, how kind. I remember once there was a teacher that hated me. Oh, yeah, she was the English teacher. It was some of the basic public speaking. That was the other one. Yeah, that's what it was. Uh, she hated me, and we were learning about Henry David Thoreau, and there were other people in the play in the class, and she's like, David, do you know who Henry David Thoreau is? I'm like, yeah, I have no idea. It was so cool. I'm like, I never heard of the guy. Is he, was, he, uh, was he a disco guy? I don't understand. I'll never forget because there was this girl, Tracy, sitting right next to me. And she was laughing because she knows, you know, I'm the lead. I'm playing Henry David Thoreau. But fuck this teacher. She was an asshole. She made my life miserable. She tried to fail me so I didn't graduate on time. Fuck her. If she's still alive, I'm going to seek her out like I'm going to seek out Bob Grossman's grandfather. Who I assume has to be dead by now. But, uh. Yeah, and, and and then this girl Tracy answered the question, you know, like, but it was funny because I mean, I'm telling you, it was so cool. I'm like, yeah, I never heard of the guy. What was he's he, he at the discotheque? Was he a dancer? I have no idea who it is. Was he like, was he play for the Mets? I'm sorry, I have no idea. Plays for the Mets, right? Second base. No, David. Oh, it was so cool. I never let on that I was playing. And then the best part was that the next day we did a preview for all the English classes. And and I was in and then I was in the show. So then she saw me in the show and then she was like, That son of a bitch. Man, I tell you I played it perfect. Do you know how hard it was to keep inside? It was brilliant. She had no idea I was in the play. And then she all told me In fact, that was what it was. She goes, Tomorrow we will be seeing a um a, a scene from uh a play that they're doing in the theater department called Hen- uh, the the Night Thoreau's been judged. Does anyone know who Henry David Thoreau is? David, I couldn't even believe it. I'm telling you, I remember this vividly. 
And this girl, Tracy Fishing, she could tell you, she could, she could tell you, because it was so, because I couldn't even believe, you know me, I can't keep a secret to save my life. I'm the gossip queen. I'm, I, I, that's why I, what do you think I like Sex in the City so much for? I'm like the original gossip queen. Come on. The king of gossip queens. Um, and, uh, yeah, and she asked me, I'm like, yeah, I have no idea who that is. And then the next day, they were sharing the show, and she goes, and I was just like, hello, everyone. I'm Henry David Thoreau. Ooh, didn't see that coming. That's the way I played it, by the way. I said, you know, what if, let me just go with it. Can I, can I add a wrinkle into this you know, when the drama teacher was saying, how do you want to play this? Okay, can I, can I just add a wrinkle in what we're doing here? I'd like to play him as a homosexual. You know, how many times have I said, why would you do something like that? <laughs> like, why do guys like, I'd like to play him gay. Wouldn't it be funny if I was like the ultimate, like two-faced guy? And I was like, I think we should play him gay. And I'm like, you know, not gay, but like, why would I do that? Like, I think we should totally do that. Oh, I've got so much poetry to give out of my soul. I just, when I reflect on this pond and my friend Ralph Waldo Emerson, oh, he's wonderful. Can I just add a wrinkle in? What if, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put this out. What if it's the opposite of the goodbye girl? That's what would make it so funny because when they were doing Richard the Third, they're like, we all know Richard the Third was a flaming homosexual. And then Richard Dreyfus gets really upset. He goes, uh, "What are your problems with the show?" Oh, well, uh, several things. Uh, one, uh, I have to play him. <laughs> Number two, uh, he wanted to fuck Lady Anne. No, he said he wanted to hump Lady Anne. That's what it was. He was so angry that the director was making him play gay. Well, wouldn't it be funny if the director, who's straight, and I was straight, and all of this is, you know, quote, because, you know, who knows. But um, pretty sure I'm straight. And, uh, and you know, even, even, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, a baby's not going to be proof because, you know, how many gay guys do I know that actually produced a kid? How the fuck do you get erect with a girl if you're, if you're straight I, or if you're gay? I don't, I still don't. I'm pretty sure I can't get erect with a guy, so I don't I don't understand. I mean, this guy I know from high school, he's got three kids and he's flaming. I mean, he's just he's been gay since high school. How did he produce these kids? How did he get hard enough without Viagra, mind you, in the 80s to sleep with this girl at least three times? Anyway, that all being said, um, that would have been hilarious. Can I just can, can I just in a wrinkle in the, what if? We played a little Asia at the end, you know, because you know, Asia, let me just say, you know, years from now when people are watching this, and this is probably on VHS somewhere. I'm not that old. I am that old, but not anyway. Um, you know, years from now when Asia, you know, when people are still talking about Asia like Led Zeppelin, you know, it's going to be classic that we use them. You know, we got right on the bandwagon just on their first album, you know, because a lot of bands get a week second and third album. Well, it was over after that third album, that second album. The first album was over. It was over. And after the first album was amazing. Like every song was a hit, which was rare before Michael Jackson did it. And then uh, the second album had this song, which I love, but it stinks. But I love it in the fact that it was like, let's not try anymore. And here, I mean, it's the perfect song you put on a second album where you don't give a shit anymore. Kind of like Bad English. Had this great first album, if you remember. You could probably look that up. And then they had this second album with just nobody cared. What was it? John Waite? Was it was it Neil Sean from Journey? And they were like a band like this. And every every song was epic. I mean, I loved it because I love John Waite. I got my reasons. 
But anyway, let, let, let's go into that for a second. But Asia, this was a song off the second album. And I love it, but it's horrible. I mean, they're trying. This does not working like the second one. You see when they get to the first. about 10 minutes you know you just you don't know, feel like writing lyrics ah ah you've given up don't cry now that I found you don't cry take a look around you don't cry it so long to find you do what you want love it please don't cry I still like it though. I mean, it's like up there with, you know, it's definitely an 80s song. Clearly, they don't make songs like this anymore. When somebody says they don't make songs like this anymore, usually they're saying it as a, oh, they don't make songs like this anymore. This is one of those songs that I'm like, oh, thank God they don't make songs like this anymore. Where would they play it? And this is why, like, I think they got that other Asia band. They're like, and meanwhile, I. I, if I heard this in concert and I was properly drunk, I would have the greatest time of my life. Take a look around you. It took so long to find you. Yeah, it's pretty much they just gave up. But um, yeah, so I was thinking, uh, yeah, what was we talking about? Bad English. Let's take a look at that. And that first album was kind of unbelievable. It was so amazing. I don't know who it was though. Should we look that up? Yeah, John. It was. It was like you know. It was like Asia in the sense that it was a super group of uh, made up other bands. You know. Let's see. Here we go. Oh, Jonathan Kane of Journey. That's all. I think it was two. Was it two guys from Journey? Uh, what do we got? Uh, uh, a rock glam metal super group. Jonathan Kane of, of Journey with singer John Waite and bassist Ricky Phillips, his former bandmates in the Babies. I didn't know. Along with Journey guitarist Neil Sean and drummer Dean Castro Novo. Him I don't know, but I certainly know all the other ones. Isn't that interesting? Um, so, yeah. So, remember this, you know, legendary song, which is actually... I the worst song on the album for me but it certainly was very successful Sometimes I, I sing it all the time in my head make it through, through this world without having you oh, I thought it was a different lyric I just wouldn't have a clue I'm so horrible with lyrics Cause sometimes it seems like this world's closing in on me and there's no way of breaking free 
my head a lot but I liked I liked the other songs on the album you know I liked the, the other ones like um, they also I don't remember it was a heaven is a four letter word let's move on did I like let's see is this what decade is this from wait let me think would it be the 80s just that, what, that, whatever that keyboard is, it's just, it was just, I think it was invented in the 80s. This, is, this was a good one. I used to know this out backwards and forward. I love this music, you know? Eddie. A little soft metal action. This was this was Dave Jeskow's kind of music. You know what I'm talking about. Get right? the chorus. You heard heaven is a four-letter word. <laughs> Touch is never enough. Oh, it's coming back. Oh, yes, I could see myself driving in the car, listening to this, and roll down the window and be like, "I'm so sorry." I knew it was a little, a little lame back then, but I didn't care. Love that John Waite, and I'll tell you, I think I told you already why I liked him. I liked him because he came to my college. Let's get to the chorus again. It was so much fun. He came to our college, and he was on my TV show in college, and that was, like, way cool. So from then on, I'm like, all right, this guy's the greatest guy ever. We asked him to be on our show, and I think I told you this before. I, I, gotta find, I have the clip. Hold on. Hey, 
bad with lyrics. Anyway, uh, so he came to our college when he was on top of the world with, um, you know, uh, not when now I can only think when I see you smile. You know what I'm talking about. The uh, every time I think of you, I always catch my breath, and I'm still sorry, I got to get still standing here, and you're miles away, and I wonder missing you, why you left. And it's my heart that's breaching. Do I have that? I don't. I'm doing it off book. Down this long distance line tonight. I ain't missing you at all. Missing you. Anyway, yeah, he came to do our show. And I have the clip. And it's on uh, Mike Sauter put it on YouTube for me, for all of us. And so it's uh, so he was performing and I asked him to come. Uh, and do the show. I didn't know him, but I, I, again, I think I told you the story because there was this guy who put all the shows. Like I've always had this talent to like meet people like that or get lucky that people liked me enough to meet people, but it never moved into anything else. You know, so there was this kid who was at school, and I, I, I can't even remember his name, but he was always nice to me. And he's like, Dave, do you want to come meet John Wade? Will you do me a favor? Yeah, I did tell you the story. I can remember telling you the story. Hey, would you do me a favor and take the limo with John Wade down to the hotel? Because I'm like, uh, sure. Uh, I, I don't know. I guess he thought I was cool, which um, if you saw my hair, you would think the opposite. But So we had him in the show, and we just did this bit where my friend John Vitti from the Boston Globe came, and he goes, Dave, listen, I got to get going. I'm like, no, I got to talk to you. He goes, no, I got to get going. We were using all these babies terms. I was like, oh, he's just being a big baby. And like he was, and John Waite's behind him. He's reading the paper. And then I keep saying, but John Waite. And then John Waite would go, yeah. And we're like, hey, we're not talking to you, tough guy. <laughs> Whatever. We just kept going with the gag. Uh, but John Waite was in it. He was so kind. And uh, he autographed uh, an album for me. He was so nice. So I bought everything he ever did after that. Because, I mean, wouldn't you? That he was nice enough when he was at top of the world to help out a couple of college dorks and, um, you know, do our a little TV show. I mean, it was fantastic. I mean, if you're 19, that's like the coolest thing ever. And if they had YouTube back then, it would be even better. Oh, they do have. It's on YouTube now, but nobody cares. Anyway, the point of the story being this, that Ben English had this first album that I must have overplayed just a hundred times, you know. A hundred times. And then they made a second album because they had to where they clearly were just, can we just do this and end this just like Asia and so many other bands that get together like that. And But the album had this one song which I loved. Just like Don't Cry must have played it over and over again. And it's not good but it for me it was amazing Remember, I haven't heard this in 20 years. Remember, I used to play it over and over. Take me 
little better than Don't Cry at least, right? Looks like they tried with this song and then they just, and we'll put it, we'll pack out a couple more songs. Kind of remember the lyrics. Epic though, right? You know. Oh, this I remember this part was horrible. Straight to your heart. It wasn't that a little Neil Shaw action, huh? Oh, this guy. What? Good old, like the 1989. It's bad English. Straight to your heart. song so much you know sometimes you just need a song like that to uh you know fight to tomorrow i mean it's pretty goddamn miserable in the 80s and early 90s very very miserable about everything just as i always have been but i remember just being extra miserable until about 1992 living in a story what a horrible horrible place so this song used to cheer me up sometimes you know it's you know play something like this you're like no it's gonna work out come on man yeah yeah with chicks and drugs and fire trucks straight to your heart this time it's gonna work out it's all gonna come together and um yeah it just didn't so what are you gonna do i mean it kind of did but it didn't it did a little Oh, who knows? Who even cares? I got to tell you, when I got on, I'm like, I was not expecting to play any of that song, but I, it, it all just happened. And that's, there's, that's a show. That's a show. That's a podcast. So anyway, that all being said, um, yeah, I mean, I just didn't, I didn't prepare anything because I just have not been in a frame of mind to be able to do anything I have to distance myself from this situation with uh, getting fired and this this law firm, and I'm I don't think I'm angry. I just I just want to end, you know, this thing. I there's still problems with my IRA account, the company, and stuff, and. And the stuff, there's, there's just a whole bunch of difficulties I just want to get through to completely move on, um, you know, and just, um, I don't know. Like I said, uh, still interested, you know, again, I was talking to John Vitti from the Boston Globe, and they might be interested in a story like this, a story, um, you know, kind of um, a Me Too that, that goes kind of awry, uh, that we're you know, the people are questionable. Um, I know we've talked about it a, a bunch of times, but it's an interesting story. Um, again, you know, I was just thinking there's so much stuff that the firm did to me that I, you know, that I can, that I had to go through, uh, 
you know, that I could tell my side of the story. I have pictures of um, the, the, the managing partner sending me uh, photos of him on the toilet, uh, sending me documents to type up. I'm like, what is this? Uh, I mean, I, I, it's not a big deal. Nobody cares. It was funny uh, when we got it, but... Um, you know, you know, I rethink everything now because why, you know, why wasn't I able to complain? How come they're only allowed to complain? Where, what about my complaints? What about because I'm just, you know, an old man and I don't get hurt? And that's, I guess that's the way the world these days, but no big deal, whatever, right? I gotta, you gotta move on. You gotta move on. Maybe I'll tell the story. Who knows? Uh, like I said, I don't really want, I don't want anything from, the firm. I don't want to. Um, yeah, I have a lot of friends there. I just it's bothering me because you know I haven't heard from a lot of people. I spent relationships there. You know, um, I saw a guy in the street the other day. It was nice to see him. You know, it's like I hope people are going to be at least friendly to me when they see me. I think that's what's bothering me. And and quite frankly, the way they're treating me, the way they're treating me, it's as if I did something horribly wrong, but I didn't do anything horribly wrong. The way they're treating me is as if, as if I was Harvey Weinstein or, or somebody else, and and I think that's what's bothering me. And I, I, I'd give anything for just an apology and say wait, maybe we we made a rash decision, and maybe we could have handled this better, and then we can all move on. You know, uh, like an apology, because I I just don't think it was handled properly. Or correctly for somebody again that dedicated a bulk of their life, their their good years, to um, helping, uh, you know, getting paid for it, of course, but really being very diligent about my, uh, a job and and really liking the job I was doing there. But enough, we've talked about the um, job enough, so whatever. Um, <laughs> I guess I, you know, it's hard to forget about. It. I wake up in the morning and I say, you know, once again, Jesus Christ, I still can't believe it's happening. It's been almost a month. And then I wake up and I say, I'm so angry still. And then I go through the day and I'm like, whatever. And then I'll get an email or something from somebody and I'm like, get angry again. Cause I'm like, really? You know, this, these guys are angry or something. I mean, what, what, they, what are they angry at me for? What did I do? I just want to tell my side of the story, you know, and I'd like to get to this this person uh, who really besmirched my good name when I was trying to help her with all the stuff that was said that they, you know, think they have uh, when it was all uh, in protection of this other very creepy attorney um, who I was... <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, one day it'll all come out. I'll tell you everything, and then we'll get down to business. But um, for now, we'll try and move on. Uh, we have to. We must move on. People keep saying to me, do you think they'll hire you back? And I'm like, you know, I've said this before, not the way I live, but no, seriously. No, they ain't hiring me back. It's over. Uh, I don't think I'd want to go back there, uh, you know, even if they did ask. I mean, I just don't want to work in that industry anymore, I guess, um, which I... <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, you know, today the show comes out, the the, the, the podcast comes out, the, the new Nightfly, brand new June edition, 2019. And um, 
my show at the Comedy Cellar comes out. Now, it's technically bad timing because I cannot concentrate. I cannot concentrate on comedy. Now, I sir, when you're a professional comedian, as I am, you, you, you go through it. You go through a lot of tragedy and stuff, and you have to press on because it's your job. Uh, just the same as going back to work after you have uh, a parent die or something. Um, but I, I just, I'm sorry. I'm not a professional and I cannot concentrate. I have an amazingly strong show happening at the Village Underground tonight, if you're hearing this podcast, Tuesday, June 4th. If you listen in the morning, uh, if you live around the city, please come to the show tonight. It's going to be unbelievable. It's Dave Juskow, Broadway Bound. The lineup is so strong. It's Mateo Lane. He's going to go on first. Then Mike Vecchione, uh, Carmen Lynch, Judy Gold came back, and then Jessica Kirsten. Um, so now I got five comics because I used Carmen because Judy said she couldn't do it, but then she said she could do it. I'm like, oh, fuck it. I'll put on five really strong comics. And then Attell called me and him and Jeff are in town, and they want to they wanna come on because they want to practice. So then you got a, a little bumping Mike's reunion it's an unbelievable show. Hopefully it'll sell out. I haven't heard anything. They haven't put it on the website. It's driving me insane. Um, But I mean, how strong a show is. Don't you wish you lived here if you didn't? Because you know it's going to be a hot show. Rick Chrome, uh, you know, we're going to sing a couple of show tunes. You know, I'm going to what I'm going to do is I'm going to redo the lyrics for Guys and Dolls uh, and try and make it politically correct. And uh uh, something like that. That's that's the plan. But I'm not going to do too much stuff in between because we want to get through the comics. There's so many. But, I mean, it's going to be a tight show. It's going to be good. Um, so it's technically the perfect time for this. I need to do this. I need to get out and do a show and be on stage. So it's the perfect time, but it's also like, oh, I can't concentrate. I can't concentrate. I'm having trouble concentrating. But I put everything together. I got all the times out. Everybody's in. Everybody's good. So everything's technically running like clockwork. But I'm a mess. So anyway, uh, but it'll be great. And next week I will come to you and tell you it's great. Now, I, I, you know, I really wanted to have a guest on the show, uh, although I've definitely been getting uh, stuff from people. Oh, I got a wonderful email from uh, one of our listeners in uh, Geneva, Switzerland. Unbelievable. Made me so happy. Um, Carly, right? I think I got that. Did I, did I get that right? Um, oh, I couldn't believe I, you know, that made me so happy. Thank you for writing. Uh, I, people, you know, seem to like when I do it alone, but I, you know, it's good to have a guest on once in a while. I like to play off somebody that is going to make me laugh, make me happy, but I can't have anybody over my house right now. It's disgusting. I fired my cleaning lady and it's just, I just haven't, I've just been, you know, I mean, at least they did my laundry, but you know, I haven't gone to the dry cleaner at all. Oh, listen to me. Oh no. What am I going to do? I don't have any money. I have the dry cleaner and my cleaning lady. Oh no. Oh, who we, oh, look, everybody, it's Henry David Thoreau. How are you? Hey, uh, did I just see Henry David Thoreau doing his laundry? Always use the bounce sheets. I used to use the bounce. Now we use snuggles. It's fantastic. Sheets smell so much better. Snuggles. I think it's called snuggles, right? <laughs> it's better than bounce. It smells better. It smells fresher. It's much better. But, uh... Yeah, I got to clean my own house. I mean, I, I, I don't mind getting a cleaning that you're paying the money again, but I, I got to clean my, because I, I got nothing but time. 
So uh, listen, I gotta I gotta schedule something every day, even if it's just a lunch with people. And Friday I was supposed to have lunch with people, and it got canceled, and it totally threw me into a. Now what do I do? I didn't do anything. I didn't leave the house on Friday. I didn't bother getting up. You know, I, 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 at ten thirty, I look at my text or emails. I'm like nothing. What am I waking up for? What am I doing? Oh yeah, you're sleeping. It's depression. I don't have anything to do. I mean, thank God I got these gigs coming up, but I got to make more. I got to make a plan. I don't know. I can't concentrate. Once I get some, you know, money, I think I can relax my brain a little bit and then everything will be fine. Maybe some unemployment or something. I don't know. Anything that comes in that that, that I don't have to panic about that kind of stuff. By the way, have you guys been watching Jeopardy? It's so awesome. That guy, James Holtzides or whatever his name is. Yeah, you really find yourself rooting for him. It's like, I mean, that's, I've been watching it every day at 7 o'clock. That's one thing I look forward to. I'm like, oh, it's Jeopardy time. Oh, thank God. Guy's great. He's just you're, you're mad at anybody else that's trying to challenge him. You just want him to win all the time. Anyway, I went to AC over the last weekend, over Memorial Day weekend, to see uh, David Tell and Jeff. So at least I had that to do. But I got to tell you, oh, man, did I get depressed. I got depressed. Now, I'm down to my last dollar. And... Thank God, David Tell gave me five hundred bucks. He just gave me some cash. If he didn't give me that money, I, I, I really don't know what I would have done for the last two weeks. Um, I, I, I really don't know what I, I know. It sounds ridiculous, it's just five hundred bucks, but it, oh my God, it, it lasted, and it was good. And the last place you want to be with your last couple of dollars is Atlantic City, especially me having a problem with gambling. Not so much table games, mostly the sports stuff, as you know, but that's the last place you want to be. You know, I love playing the three-card poker. You know, I just want to have money to be able to play with it, have a good time, play for an hour. So my plan is I get down there at exactly 3 o'clock. I visit Rhoda, right? I figure I cover all the bases. I get down there at 3 o'clock. You know, you go to the hotel. I got a beautiful hotel room. It was beautiful, beautiful. I was like angry. I was like, damn it. I wish I had got somebody to come down. It would have been nice. It was beautiful, Donald, beautiful. And then I said, you know, so Dave and Jeff, here's the problem. They got two shows this time. That was the problem. They have a, a like an 8 and a 11, I think. Was that right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was something like that, 8 and 11, um, late. So I I go to the ticket. I, go, I, say, I say, all right, I'm going to – I haven't showered in like a week, but I bought – I just bought a suitcase full of all my bath, my bathing equipment and stuff. I'm just, I'm shoveling everything in. I'm going to groom myself in the hotel room. It gives me something to do. But then I, before I did that, I went down to the tables to play like $100 of three-card poker to get, at, to get it out of my system. You know, because I don't like playing at night when I've been drinking because I've never won that way. So you got to play sober. And just, you know, really quick. But with three-card poker, you really got to put down like two or $300 to get it going. But I can only afford 100 bucks. Uh, but at least I was able to play for an hour. I got nothing. The whole weekend was a disaster in that sense. I was not getting any kind of cards. And remember, there's no, place, there's no such thing as courage for an unfriendly shoe, as uh, Roger Moore says in For Your Eyes Only. <laughs> uh so, all right, so I lose the first 100. I'm like, damn it, but expected. And then I go upstairs, and I change. And then I'm like, now what do I do? Where are these guys? What am I going to do? They, they have me 
and my friend uh, Steve and Alina for the second show. So I go down to the box office. They don't have tickets for me yet. And they're supposed to have backstage passes. And they don't have it. And I'm like, now what do I do? I texted those guys. I'm like, I'm outside. But they're like, come down before. And I'm like, I, but I couldn't get in. So now I got pretty much two hours to kill. And that's a disaster in this situation being in Atlantic City. I mean, how do you kill... Atlantic City is the greatest place to kill time in if you have a little bit of money to spare. So now I'm almost in tears in a sense. I'm like, this is the worst thing that could happen. I'm like, let me at least get a couple of drinks, but then you got to sit at the tables to get the drinks. I don't want to go to the bar and buy drinks. I want to get them for free or, you know, $2 tip. Um, so I'm like, all right, let me just play some video poker for $20. And, of course, that goes away really quick. I just wasted five minutes. And I'm like, all right, let me just put some more money in, you know. And I'm like, oh, fuck it. Let's just play some three-card poker again because what am I doing? And then at least I can get a drink. And then I got a drink, and I played. I lost again. And then I'm like, still had time to kill. I'm like, ugh. So then I started to just get depressed. Um, And then when the show was letting out, I saw it letting out. I tried to get in. They still wouldn't let me in. And Dave and Jeff were right there. And I'm like, no, no, I swear to God, I'm friends with these guys. And they're like, I'm sorry, if you don't have a ticket, you can't get in. I'm like, and I really didn't even care. I'm like, fine. But then I saw them and I'm like, no, I swear to God, these are my friends, you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> like, and I'm angry, but these are my best friends. And Jeff's like, no, no, he's with us. Thank God. So I was able to come in and just hang out while they were, um, you know, doing autographs, taking pictures, selling some merchandise. And, uh, so thank you know so thank God they let me in so I had something to do, and uh, you know I made sure I had a drink going in because I know they usually don't have any drinks there but they have beer, which is great, and so then we hung out, we drank and of course Jeff was there so we got high and that combination does not work for me as you know we talk about this at Sarah's party all the time it doesn't work for me anymore, not to stand the regular weed like a joint and, um, booze oh, it's a tough combo, so. Uh, I was, uh, you know, so I was, I mean, but I was, I was handling it, but I was like, ah. and then uh, we ordered food to the, you know, to the uh, backstage because it was late. We could, the restaurants were all closed. That was the plan. So we ordered this food and uh, I ordered the spaghetti and meatballs. I just, I want, if I was home by myself, I would have finished the whole, I was trying not to finish the whole thing, but I almost, it was a big, big portion. I was trying not to finish because I didn't want to go and take a nap. But it was so delicious. I was so hungry. I hadn't eaten all day because I knew I was going to eat with those guys later. And I didn't want to get bogged down. So, oh, I woofed it down. It was the best thing I ever had. The next day, I tested Jeff. I'm like, how about that spaghetti meat? Because he had it too. He got his own order. <laughs> oh, my God. It was amazing. So I woofed that down. And then uh, and then me, Steve, and Alina went uh, gambling again. We left those guys because it was late already. It was like one or two and... We went to gamble again. We went looking for blackjack this time, but the tables were too bright. They were like $25, $30, $50 tables. And we played three-card poker again. I'm like, ugh. And I lost another 100 bucks. It was really bad. It's not cool to lose 300 bucks when you don't have any money. It's not cool. So then I kind of had it. I'm like, I'm going to go back to the room. I think I got more food. Oh, it was a disgrace. Just a disgrace. And then I was going to go to the beach, but I had to go. Dory had her stupid graduation party. What are we having a graduation party for this kid that hated college? Don't you have a graduation party? Hey, congratulations. You had a, oh, what a great time it was. I, uh, 
She didn't have any friends there. It was just like, well, what kind of a graduation party? It was not one friend. You know, Liza brought her friend, Lindsay, who's doing so well. She doesn't go to college, this girl, Lindsay. She uh, does hair. You know, she went to cosmetology school. She's so nice and cool, and she does people's hair, and they got this new way, and she's getting in on this new way of doing hair. It's called like Revo or something like that. I don't know. It's like making your hair like full, like, you know, like chicka boom boom hair, you know, from the 70s or something. But uh, I don't know. She's really good at her job, and um, she's been Liza's best friend forever, and she's really cool. So Dory likes her. So she came over. But here's what happened is that Matt, my sister's husband, who cooks really good, this is what he did. And this is this is unbelievable. You know, we were basically doing hamburgers and stuff like that. But he first, first he made some amazing guacamole and some salsa, all from scratch. But then he bought out f- five lobsters, all cracked and cut and put in a bowl so we could just Either take your fingers, cut up in small chunks. So you can just take your fingers or a fork, put it in the butter. There's no cracking. There's no nonsense. And you are just eating beautiful, tasty, sweet lobster. Five lobsters. You cracked up and just took out the meat and put it out to serve. It was a dream come true. And Rhoda even partook of the lobster. It was amazing. She was loving it. It was beautiful. I It was delicious. And then I texted Matt the next day. I'm like, dude, I, I don't know whether I told you, but that lobster was sick. It was amazing. Then he grilled some shrimp too, but the lobster, the idea. I said, they should be doing that in restaurants. Why don't they just do that in restaurants? I mean, it would probably be pricey, but why not offer it? Five lobsters cut up for like five people or whatever, and just the, the meat, you don't got to crack anything. You don't have to do the work. The, the, the lobster thing, it's, it's fun the first time you crack it, and then you're like, all right, I'm over this. Let's just, let's just, somebody just do this for me. Oh, it's brilliant. I can't, I, I, I mean, you can't really sell that idea to a restaurant, but I can't believe somebody's never thought of it, like even a Wolfgang's or something. And you bring out the clarified butter, and then you just have people pick at it, and oh, it's the perfect way to eat lobster as an appetizer. Are you kidding? And he got a deal. He said, some guy told him, he goes, you know, if you go to ShopRite, they got $7 a lobster. So $7 a lobster for five lobsters, it was beautiful. He said some guy taught it to him. I can't believe they don't have that in a restaurant. It was unbelievable. I can't stop thinking about it. I just want to do it myself at my house. But I don't have that kind of money anymore. They might like a story like that. They might. But that's pretty much all I did. That was last weekend. And then I really just haven't done anything. The Thursday before I went out with Jeff and his uh, manager, we went down to Chinatown to have some food. That was the first day I actually took uh, an Uber. I've been walking or biking everywhere, but it was so last minute. I'm like, I don't want to keep everybody waiting. And if you use American Express, you get like $15 off. So it wasn't that bad. And then I walked or Ubered or taxi. Actually, that day. So Jeff, then we went to the cellar and Jeff and Dave were practicing for Atlantic City. So we were there. And then we watched them perform. And then Dave and I, I think we went out to a diner again after. Was that that same night or was that? I did another podcast. I did the Keeping Joe podcast, the Joe Mackey, Phil Hanley, Sam Morell, Liz Fiorati uh, podcast. 
and I can't remember. I'm mixing up the days at the cellar. But then I know Dave and I went to the. We went to his house to see how it's progressing because he bought a new place, and then we went to the diner. Like again, you know, I had more food. It was ridiculous. But then, but so then it was six thirty, or maybe it was five thirty, and I was it was on twenty third and ninth, and then I just walked home because I'm like, well, what am I rushing home for? Normally, I would take a cab. I'm like, oh my god, I gotta get to work, but I walked home, walked off the meal. Where was I going? What am I rushing to? Now I just walk home all the time because where, for what reason am I rushing? What am I doing? And it was good exercise, and it was a beautiful night. Hey. Yahoo! So that's that's what I've been doing lately. Everywhere, you know, when I'm down somewhere, you know, I go somewhere, I just walk home or take the bike because I'm no rush. I have nowhere to be the next day. I mean, it's kind of beautiful when you think about it. It's just, uh, it's just a little scary. That's all, I guess. But it'll all work out, right? I mean, it has to. But um, what else did I want to tell you? Oh, what I did, uh, yeah, this weekend. Like I didn't, I, I really didn't. Memorial Day I did nothing. Never left the house. I, maybe did I do the podcast that day? I I don't even remember. Maybe that was a Tuesday. I don't remember. I don't remember doing anything the rest of the week. I don't. Oh, on Thursday at least. That's right. I did something. That's right. I finally had a plan. Oh, so how about this? So. You know, I asked this girl out that I made it very clear. Remember from um, the movie uh, Kate and Leopold? I made it very clear that, I would, you know, he's like, you have to uh, let the woman know your intentions right away. So I sent her an email. I just took her to, this is the girl I took to Beetlejuice. And we made a plan at Beetlejuice to go out again. But my mind has been so messed up. And I don't have my calendar anymore because I used to put it in at work. And I thought we were supposed to go out Thursday. So on Wednesday, when I said, are we still all set for tomorrow? That was the only plan I had for two weeks. And she goes, no, we were supposed to go out yesterday, jackass. And uh, now I got plans tomorrow. And I'm like, are you sure? I really could have sworn it was the 30th. But when I think of it now, she might have been pointing to that Tuesday. And I just haven't been paying attention. And I'm using my inner calendar, which doesn't work very well. And she was pretty damn angry you could question why didn't she go on monday like are we okay but it's the what can i say this it's the man's job um i guess she feels that way or she just didn't care maybe she was hoping i didn't call her i don't know but she wouldn't i said can you give me a second chance didn't even write back so that was over it's too bad too i really liked her we had a good time I don't know. Maybe down the line she'll give me a second chance. I doubt it, though. So I asked this uh, other girl to go uh, to Memo's Bar, uh, Solid State in Queens. He was doing a fundraiser for another bar that uh, burned down, and I bought this girl who was lovely, and she uh, you know, lives off the, the subway line, so it was easy for her to get back and stuff. And we went. We hung out with Memo's daughter. We got there at 7 o'clock. We hung out with Memo's daughter for a little bit because there was nobody there. Uh, played some Scrabble, and it was really funny. So she puts down our names, my name, the girl's name, or rather her name, Ren, the girl's name, and Jusco. <laughs> she just calls me Jusco. The 90-year-old calls me Jusco. It's really funny. Uh, and we played Scrabble. Then we played two uh, two games of Candyland, <laughs> which she was even like, that's a baby's game. And I'm like, yeah, well, I want to play it. And she won twice. She beat the crap out of us twice. 
And then we played pinball, and then Memo made up a Lotteria game, you know, which is like a Mexican bingo game, and it was really fun. And then we left. We had a good time. That was a good night. It was an excellent night, good company, good to see Memo, good to see his kid. And uh, at least, thank God, I went out. You know, and then that Friday, I had nothing to do. I had plans, and they got canceled, and then I just went into a depression. And so on Saturday, I went to go visit Rhoda because I'm like, yeah, I guess I'll come out. I don't even have to go visit her on Saturdays anymore. I can visit her anything, but I'm like, I'm still in the mode where I'm like, yeah, I guess I'll go out Saturday. And then I said, I'll, I'll go see this girl who lives like close to the Pennsylvania border that I've always liked because why not? I like her parents. I'm going to go out there after I go to Rhoda's because where am I going? What am I doing? I'll travel out there. She's working at this restaurant. I'll sit at the bar a little bit till she finishes like a creepy guy. And then, uh, you know, I just I hung out at her house and I slept over because, you know, I was drinking. And uh, well, I got nowhere to be, so why not join the Army? I mean, what do you got, like a six to eight week training program? It's perfect for me. Uh, so I stayed over and then um, we went back to that restaurant, had some lunch. Then I went home. But, oh, I had mimosas in the morning. It was fun. I mean, they live in it. The house they live in, it's... It's nice because it's got a lot of sunlight and they got like a porch and a terrace, you know, whatever and stuff. It's like really out in the boonies in Jersey. I mean, real. But like um, when I went to the bar with her late night, just so you know, I was the thinnest person there. Now that's saying something. You know what I'm saying? I was the thinnest person there. It was like the only place. In fact, I think I'm going to do this when I open for Sarah. The When I want to feel better about myself, I'm either going to go to that town or Disney World. When I want to feel good about my weight, I like to go to Disney World where I am the thinnest person there and that includes nine-year-olds. Oi. Uh, but yeah, uh, so the, and uh, this girl says, oh, you got to come, come into the city, see a show on Tuesday. Come into the city, see a show. People are like, I don't want to go to this. I, I'm like, stop asking them to go see the show because the people here, they don't like New York City and they don't like folk from New York City. I was far in New Jersey West near the Pennsylvania border, I might as well have been in Alabama the way they speak. And Jeff and Dave have said, if you want to get serious about your career, you're going to have to stop with the racist comments that you think are funny or saying that kind of stuff. You're going to have to stop. You're going to have to grow up. You're going to have to think. And I was like, wow, that's, that's a very interesting statement. Uh, they both mentioned that on separate occasions. And I said, that's very interesting. I didn't think of that. You know, for me, I just like saying the way it is, right? Now, the funny thing is, when I was out here in this western part of New Jersey, which no one goes to, uh, you know, I was reminded of why I am like this as it is. Uh, believe you me, they don't mind using colorful analogies for ethnicities there in the least at the they don't hide it they don't they just go for it all you know when i sometimes uh say colored people as what i think is a funny gag uh because that's the way i heard it in my life um these guys believe me go for it stronger and I was like, see, see, this is what I'm trying to tell people. This is what I grew up with. Me and Artie, you know, they, and, and it's like a, 
the rest of America, they're all Trump supporters. This, this is it. Where I was today is where everybody's voting for Trump. And they don't care to be politically correct. And they don't care for for Hebrews or or, or, uh, or abortion or any of that kind of, you know, all the stuff that everyone is in an uproar here, here in this city and in California and maybe where people are normal. Whispering. Um, they don't give a shit. And if that's just in western New Jersey, about an hour outside the city, maybe even less, I'm telling you, He's going to win again. <laughs> His people are 30 miles outside the city and 30 miles outside of L.A. Everybody's voting for Trump again. Unless you find a candidate to somehow win these people over. I'm all on board for whatever everybody wants to do. I will vote for the best candidate I am absolutely that kind of person. I do not vote just with my party. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. The only time, obviously, I do that is during the primaries. I want to vote for the best candidate. Okay, in 92, did I vote hilariously for Perot? Yes, because I thought that would be funny. Uh, After that, I try and always vote for the best who I think is the best candidate. So, you know, if you're going to throw people at me that I don't give a crap about, like this uh, uh, Christian Gillibrand, I think that's the name, right? Do I have that right? Uh, Who who ruined the great Al Franken's career by him getting what I got from my job, me too'd for for a, a, a prank and a gag and, just really hijinks and nonsense because we do know Al Franken is not that kind of person, but we also know that this woman deprived the United States of America of somebody who really could have been a great president and just what a story. Al Franken is very bright and very smart and really wants to help this country And this woman ruined it. So she ain't getting my vote ever because to to pad her own agenda, she got this guy out of the race by using the Me Too movement to fuel her own agenda. And that makes me mad because Al Franken would be an outstanding. That I would hop on. I might even change parties for this guy. And rally for him because I really think he could have made a difference. He's just very smart. He's obviously cool and he's funny. He could have been the perfect communicator. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, I guess he was a good senator. You know, obviously he was in Minnesota, so I don't know. But this woman ruined it for all of us. But anyway, what the point is, I was in, uh, you know, backwards country. Uh, All nice people. (laughs) <laughs> but then I feel what I'm saying that I'm like, you know, there were, there were good people on both sides. I cannot do the Trump. I can't do the Trump imitation. But. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm very conflicted. I'm not conflicted. I know what to not or say. And my views are very different than their views. Uh, whereas I do possibly say it for comedy reasons. But now that stuff's not funny anymore. And Attell realizes it. 
and it took him a, re- a while to realize it. Uh, it's amazing that he's still able to do comedy with the material he did and the things you can and can't say anymore has really put a damper on a lot of comedy. But if you're a professional like he is, like Jeff is, like Sarah is, you ride through it. And the thing about Sarah is, who's very smart, is in her shows for her comedy, she never talks about politics. Doesn't talk about politics. Very smart. Very smart. Because I bet you a lot of people don't want to see her because of her politics, but she never uses it in the comedy, which is very smart. That way you double your audience automatically. Um, but uh, yeah, so I was there and then I stopped at my sister's and had some more dinner. Ugh. And that's all just driving. But it was a beautiful day and it was a nice day for a drive. And then and, uh, tomorrow's Liza's birthday, so I'm going to go back. But I think I'm going to take the train. Oh, because I can't get my car out of the garage because I didn't pay the bill. So they probably won't let me take it out until I pay the bill. But I'll pay it eventually, you know. I'm going to go to the track this weekend. I mean, come on. <laughs> right? I mean, come on. No, it's the track. I mean, I'm going to spend some money there. Thinking about going down there Friday night. Maybe Friday afternoon, do a little beach action, go to the track. I got a party Saturday night. Oh, it's going to be a beautiful weekend. I was going to take this girl I was out with last night, but I think she drinks a little too much to take her around to this uh, kind of event. You know what I'm saying? Eh. I mean, she's lovely and cool, but, you know, the uh, constant repeating stuff. You just asked me that 10 minutes ago. You know, she, you know, it's a little too drunk. Not falling down drunk, but like I don't know if she knows where she is. But she sure is pretty. And I was talking to my nephew today, and he's going through the same thing. You know, it's like this girl that he took to the junior prom who he really likes, and she only likes him as a friend. And I'm like, let me tell you something, Billy. Unless you get married, this never ends. It's a, it's a disaster. I don't want to, I don't want to damp. You know, I don't want to say, but like, here's your 54 year old uncle going through the same shit you are. It doesn't end. It's horrible. That's the thing. Even with that receptionist thing, it's like I'm a single, I've been a single guy for 50 years. I only know one way to date. Uh, Now, obviously, I'm second guessing everything. It took this, I guess, to, I don't know. I'm so confused. I mean, how many more years we got to do this? This is ridiculous. Let's just get this over with. Let's get married. Let's just get, let's just, uh, what are we doing? What are we doing? Now I can't marry anybody. Who's going to marry me? I'm penniless. I'm penniless. What am I going to do? What are we, we going to do? We're going to raise a family now? Come on. Oh. Oh, by the way, uh, Memo and I shot the uh, me coming out of the office of uh, 101 Park and then that place on Park Avenue. We did it. Uh, Memorial Day. That's when I did Memorial Day. We shot in two places and 101 Park, you know, we just did it. And I said, we know we're going to get caught. And some douchebag security guy was just coming in, like put his bag in front of the camera. What an asshole. But we didn't want any trouble. So, we, but we got the shots we need. I'm still not sure what I'm doing with it, but I will tell you this. I am doing uh, a scene with the Muppets, and then I'm going to start um, a YouTube channel, I believe, of the advent- the misadventures of unemployed guy. So I think I'm going to do a bunch of, uh, you know, YouTubes of what I do now after a guy that's had 20 years of work every day who doesn't work anymore. So I'm going to give that a try and do it sooner than later. Uh, but we shot the first thing on Monday. And I wrote up a script for him so we can shoot maybe next week for the other thing. And uh, I don't know, just try and keep being creative, right? That's the best you can do. 
You got to get up in the morning and you got to do something. So that's the whole thing. All I got to do is make a lunch plan and that could change my entire life. I got to make a lunch plan or something with somebody every day so I have a reason to get up. But this coming up week, I think I'm okay. Monday, you know, I got somewhere. To, I got to, I got to go to the dentist. How am I going to pay this guy? I just got dental insurance for the first time and now it's cut off. Can't believe it. And then uh, I don't even know whether they have me. I, I, you know, I forgot I was going. I didn't have it in the calendar. They've probably been calling my office. It's a disaster. And then I go to Jersey. Tuesday, I got the show. And then, uh, well, that's it. Oh, I think Thursday, I'm going to try and go out with this uh, woman to get her to give me money to pay off my gambling debts. And I might put her on the podcast as a gesture. I don't know why that would work, but... Um, you know, to get this money. Uh, but she's really funny, actually. I've uh, had her on a couple. I wanted to have her on my last show. She's old. Um, but we always try and scam her out of some money. Oh, sure, that sounds horrible. But uh, listen, I got I got problems. You know, I got to get out of I got to get out of trouble. <laughs> no, but she's really nice. Um, and I got to make some I got to make some stand up gigs. I got to make some stand up. I got to do something. I got to practice. I think I got material. I got a couple, you know, material this uh, weekend. I've been writing stuff down when I get it. I, you know, I want to be one of those guys, but why not? You know, I'm like, I say something. I'm like, that's funny, right? Should I write that down? Should I write that down? I got to get back in, you know, getting material, but I got to get on stage. I keep thinking I'm not ready, but I got to get on stage. So Tuesday, I'll be on stage, try and do something. And then I just, I got to get some gigs. I got to practice. I, I, I got to practice. I can't do another bombing situation. It's not going to be funny this time in front of a festive crowd. And people keep texting me my poster. It's all over the South Street Seaport. It's a, a tell t- uh, texted me. It's at the Bethlehem Casino. The, the, the Sarah was kind enough to put me on the poster. It's exciting. It's me and Sarah and Cheryl Crow. <laughs> so that's, you know, good. And, you know, if I do well, then you get more of those gigs, right? Come on, what are you going to do? Also, if I could put some more shows together, if I could put shows like I'm doing on Tuesday together, maybe somewhere else. I mean, I do it. I would do it every week at the cellar if they'd let me. But you got to let other people do it. If I could do it at uh, another place, if I could find another place. Well, if I could do two of those a month, I'd actually be making my salary. So that's something. I would only have to work two days a week. I'd be making exactly what I was making at the office. It's pretty messed up, actually. Huh. But I wouldn't have insurance. I don't know if we'll work that out later, right? I'm a very healthy man, although I'm going to miss my uh, yearly physical. Um, I don't even think he'd have to put his finger up my butt this time because I just got the colonoscopy, so I think I would uh, scave that off again. Lucky me. Boy, I'm really blowing it. And if I go to somebody new, they're going to probably do it. Oh, it's the worst. Guys, you know what I'm talking about. Using the whole fist there, Doc? Moon River, just relax. Oh, it's horrible. Well, I guess that's the show for today. I mean, listen, we had nothing, and we gave you an hour and 20. So that's pretty good, right? And um, so I don't know, you know? I mean, I got to prepare this show, too, you know? Because, I mean, why not prepare? I got nothing but time. But I had nothing today. I'm sorry, folks. I mean, I know you guys don't mind. You, you don't mind just the, the, the ranting and raving. And um, 
we had a lot of good fun today. Listen to some music. Heard some, uh, some history about bad English in Asia. <laughs> this is where you come for your historic music trivia, everybody. Um, but uh, it wasn't the, the worst podcast of all time, and we tried to uplift it a little bit from the uh, ones that have been sad, which everybody seems to like. Should I just go back to sad? People seem to like it. But it is the continuing saga of Dave Joskow, The Nightfly, and their next steps together as a podcast union. And um, next week, my guest will be John Waite, and we will talk about what? Is that? Am I reading this right? Did I get this right? I'm talking to my producer. Oh, I miss Selena so much. I miss my cat. You know what I found out, though, when I'm doing my comedy? When I was doing it at the Catskills, I realized that when I used to practice my material in front of Selena, and every time I'm like, do you think that's funny? And she'd be like, meow. Apparently, that meant no. So this time when I didn't have her to say that, I was able to do better material. So she had always been saying no. So I'm just glad she wasn't around to see this firing. Ugh, it would have been so embarrassing coming home like, well, I got fired. And she would have been like, wow. I'm like, I know. All right. I know you told me to stay away from her. I get it. Okay. Well, now we're in this pickle. So glad she's not here to see this. But she was a great producer in her day, my cat. But we press on with everything in our lives, right? And I, like everyone else, don't have as many uh, difficulties as many other people do. And as Notting Hill, they say, there are people starving in the Sudan. So maybe we just always have to put it in some sort of perspective all the time. Should do that more on a daily basis. But anyway... Uh, should be an interesting week of fun and hijinks. Next week, I'll report to you how the Tuesday show went. Hopefully, it'll get sold out. My God. And then we'll go to the track, have a nice weekend, have a good time. And we'll come back to you next Tuesday in the middle of June when the weather should be perfect every day because it can't possibly rain anymore around the nation, right? It's impossible. If, if, if there's there's no more rain to give. Where would it come from? So anyway, I think it's going to be a delightful summer. And I remember, it's the summer of Joscow. So there's no way to lose, everybody. Anyway, have a great week of June. <laughs> and I'll see you next week on the podcast, everybody. If you come to the cellar, make sure you come tonight. I'll see you then. Good night, everybody. <laughs>